Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nations. I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. Hi, friends. I am going to pick up here with part two of Worship Revival when Heaven Comes to Earth. And as I shared before, worship has been one of the themes of my life. It really is the beginning of everything that I found out God had called me to do. And it's been said that this last great move of God will come on the shoulders of sanctified men and women and on the wings of praise and worship. So today I'm going to pick up a little bit with the history of the outpouring in the early 1900s and how God used music as a vehicle and worship to bring his plans to earth. And I'm also going to share a bit about things, experiences I've had in the nation. So let's get started. So God's working through the generations, through different kinds of music. Then we have the role that worship played in the outpourings in the early 1900s. There was a young man named Evan Roberts who led the Welsh Revival, and I'd like to do a podcast on him as well. His revival, or the revival that God led through him, transformed the nation of Wales within a matter of months. And the Welsh Revival has often been called a revival of singing. This is a quote from a newspaper of the day. The fact is, Unless heard, it is unimaginable, and when heard, it is indescribable. No human songbooks are used. Once a song is started, it seemed to be motivated by a simultaneous unity. The melody and song were myriad-headed personality of song in a perfect blending of mood, purpose, and unity, which is only possible through the Spirit of God. Three-fourths of the meeting consisted of this singing in the Spirit. So the Welsh revival had a lot of worship in the spirit. Azusa revival as well was known for its heavenly atmosphere. And much has been written about signs and wonders which took place in this atmosphere, as well as the callings that inspired people to carry Pentecost all over the world in that generation. The following is an account written by Frank Bartleman. He says, Friday, June 15th at Azusa. The Spirit dropped the heavenly chorus into my soul, and I found myself suddenly joining the rest who had received this supernatural gift. It was a spontaneous manifestation and rapture that no earthly tongue can describe. I had not yet spoken in tongues, but the new song captured me. It was a gift from God of high order. No one had preached it. The Lord had sovereignly bestowed it with the outpouring of the latter rain baptism of the Spirit. It was exercised as the Spirit moved the possessors, either in solo fashion or by the company. It was sometimes without words, other times in tongues. The effect was wonderful on the people. It brought a heavenly atmosphere as though the angels themselves were present and joining with us, and possibly they were. It seemed to still criticism and opposition, and it was hard for even wicked men to gainsay or ridicule. 
Someone has said that every fresh revival brings its own hymnology, and this one surely did. In the beginning of Azusa, we had no musical instruments. In fact, we felt no need for them. There was no place for them in our worship. All was spontaneous. So this Azusa worship is actually reminiscent of what the early church was probably like. We find no mention of instruments in the New Testament, with the exception of the trumpets and harps in Revelation. We do, however, find much about worship. That brings me to another movement, the Jesus Movement of the 1970s, which is now being regarded as a modern-day revival. And I am a product of that movement, as are many of today's leading pastors and preachers. This movement, the Jesus people, moved emerged out of the countercultural hippie revolution, and it began on the beaches of California with hundreds of young people awakening to the truth of the gospel. Worship emerged as heartfelt choruses being led by simple guitar, and this was the beginning of what now has evolved into a worldwide worship revival. When I first began following music companies like Hosanna, and I want to say this is close to 30 years ago, They would put out one cassette every couple of months, and these were live worship recordings, and we would get our cassette tape, we would play it, and these choruses, these songs were being sung by churches all over the globe. When I arrived in Manila in 1998, there was no barrier because our church, the church there in the Philippines, was singing the very same songs we were singing at our home church. Both that church and our church had held worship nights with live worship videos, such as Lift Him Up by Ron Canoli. So this was an awakening of worship, and music was the vehicle. Today's Christian music is not only a genre, but it has genres within it. Churches are birthing songs from within that are spreading rapidly through the internet and social media. From Hillsong to Jesus Culture, Planet Shakers, Elevation, Upper Room, Maverick, these leading worship groups are too many to list. (laughs) As in every other generation, they are birthing the things of God within the hearts and churches. So what's God saying today through the worship music? Well, I would say that over the past 10 years, 15 years, it's been identity in Christ and about the Holy Spirit. And lately we have songs of revival, songs about miracles, songs against fear and about faith. So when we went to Nepal, we began to translate popular Christian songs into Nepali, and some missionaries asked me, why don't you let them sing their own music? Now, while I understood the concept and I appreciated the Nepali songs, many of their worship songs were simply 1970s choruses that had been brought in by missionaries 30 years prior. So our approach in the Bible school was twofold. One, we were teaching about how to flow and follow the Holy Spirit, and so that required certain songs. The words make a difference in what you're singing because you're creating an atmosphere with the words. So it wasn't just about singing what we liked. You know, I have to say something here, and this is my personal teaching, okay? But I've heard some people teach that all worship should be just about Jesus and to Jesus, vertical worship, like Jesus, I love you, vertical songs about Jesus glorifying him. And yes, that is true worship. But I am telling you, we are kings and priests. 
And so as kings, we speak and declare and we rule. Remember, the Bible says we will reign in life as kings. And as priests, we minister to the Lord and we connect, we intercede for the earth with heaven. We connect with heaven and bring heaven's themes, words, will to earth. And so there are many different flows in worship. And, you know, I used to be taught that praise is the outer gate and worship is the holy of holies. And while that may be an Old Testament picture, I have literally been in atmospheres of praise that were electric, where miracles were popping all around. And so I think that we limit God when we limit our type of worship. In our Bible schools, it wasn't just about singing songs people knew or that we liked, but it was about bringing an atmosphere, the atmosphere God wanted. And it was too difficult when we didn't understand the words. (laughs) Although I will say it wasn't impossible. I remember my first year in Nepal when I had my keyboard, but I had no one to sing in Nepali or translate or sing with me. And so I had one of the students who played guitar and would sing Nepali songs. And as I would be leading School of the Spirit, God would bring a melody of one of the songs to my mind. And I would go over to one of our interpreters and say, you know, this song, I would hum it. What are those words? And sure enough, the words, the song was exactly what we needed at the time. So God was leading me to the right songs by the melodies. But as we began to teach people in School of the Spirit how to follow God, we needed to know where we were going and what we were singing. So that was one reason why we translated songs. Another reason was that the young people in Nepal were beginning to dress Western and have access through their phones to the whole world. And they wanted to worship like the teams they saw online. They wanted to sing English. So in our Bible school in Nepal, we got into the habit of singing almost every song in both languages. I was sharing in a previous podcast about translating the song Our God by Chris Tomlin, which we did when a Filipino team came to do a worship seminar. And one of my disciples, Sendesh, translated that song and how that translation went viral in the nation of Nepal in just a few years. Now, why did that happen? Because fresh flows of music bring fresh things. And it wasn't that the songs being sung in the Nepali churches were bad. What it was, was that God's doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. And so when God's doing new things, new songs spring forth. And new songs will bring the presence of God and the vision of God. But again, it's not about the music. It is about the hearts and the true worship. Jesus said true worshipers would worship in spirit and truth. And so that's not just singing. So worship was my beginning, and I'm sure it will be my end. And this is why it's such a vital and important part of our Bible school, as is prayer, because these are one of the primary ways we learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, as far as worship and music and missions is concerned, I went to teach a number of years ago in Vietnam, and at that time, the churches in Vietnam were underground, and they had to be quiet. And they had asked me to come and teach on worship, and I was asking myself, how can I teach them on worship when they can't, you know, sing loud or they can't play instruments? And the Lord gave me this clear picture that it wasn't the music, it was the connection. So you see, 
my experience in going in other nations has been that very often, and this is the same in our nation, in the churches in every nation, when people do not really connect vitally in spirit, when people are superficially singing and nothing new is happening, the worship can get flat and it can become routine. And when it's flat and routine, it lacks revelation. And so what God was saying to me is it didn't matter what the people in Vietnam, didn't matter how loud their worship was. What mattered was, were they just singing songs from the 1970s that missionaries taught in the church, which how it was in Nepal, or were they being taught to worship God heart to heart? And, you know, I believe in every nation there are worshipers who are worshiping in their languages heart to heart. But there are also many churches that are like a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal in the way that they're going through the motions, but there's no heart to it. And so when God said, when people connect in spirit, he would come. And when he comes, light comes. And so the way to open dark nations is when people worship, because when people connect, light will fill them and flow from them. And the more who are worshiping, the more will be in the light. I wonder if you've heard of the Tommy Hicks vision in 1961. In this vision, Tommy Hicks, who was an American evangelist involved in the Argentine revival, he saw a huge giant like a mountain laying across the globe of the earth. And the giant was covered with debris and vermin. And when he tried to get up, these things would scatter. But when he lay down, they would come back. So finally, he did arise, and he lifted his hands to the clouds. And I'll pick up here in Tommy Hicks' own words. Slowly, this great giant began to rise, and as he did, his head and his hands went into the clouds. As he rose to his feet, he seemed to have cleansed himself from the debris and filth that was upon him. And he began to raise his hands into the heavens as though praising the Lord, And as he raised his hands, they went even unto the clouds. Suddenly, every cloud became silver, the most beautiful silver I have ever known. And as I watched this phenomenon, it was so great, I could not even begin to understand what it meant. I was so stirred as I watched it. And I cried to the Lord and said, Lord, what is the meaning of this? And I felt as if I was actually in the spirit and I could feel the presence of the Lord even as I was asleep. Well, from those clouds, suddenly there came great drops of liquid light raining down upon the mighty giant. And slowly, slowly, the giant began to melt, began to sink himself into the very earth itself. And as he melted, his whole form seemed to have melted upon the face of the earth. And this great rain began to come down. Liquid drops of light began to flood the very earth itself. And as I watched this giant that seemed to melt, suddenly it became millions of people all over the face of the earth. And as I beheld the sight before me, people stood up all over the world. They were lifting their hands. They were praising the Lord. My friends, this is a picture of what is taking place today. And if you haven't experienced it, you must. There is a freedom and a presence that falls in places of corporate worship. And this is instrumental in awakening the callings of God's people. And I will tell you, we haven't seen anything yet. There's coming a time when the glory of God will flood entire congregations and miracles will be springing forth 
as God's love fills the room. Churches will be houses of healing. And it's my personal mission to raise up worshiping musicians in every nation, those who know the word and understand and follow the Holy Spirit. I'm so excited for what is ahead. And so, you know, I really, as I share in these last episodes, I guess I'm preparing a way to lead you forward into other things. I've been involved, when I was involved in the church in Manila, you know, Filipinos are great musicians. And they always had a great worship team, but they would perfectly copy songs and sing songs in a set pattern. And actually, the worship was always great. But I noticed when the leaders came to the Bible school, everything changed. And that's why I encourage musicians all across the world, wherever I go, you know, sometimes musicians think they don't need to know the word because they're just musicians. But no, the more word you have in your heart, the more of a platform you'll have to stand on when you lead. And I watch these leaders go from good worship leaders to absolutely great worship leaders who the minute they stood on that platform, lifted their hands and took that mic in their hand, they had an authority and they realized and recognized They were called of God for that time and place to release things to the people and to release the people to give things to God. It's so beautiful. And so I am a Bible school director. I have established Bible schools. First was in the Philippines, then in Nepal, in Peru. We have one in Croatia, and we've just started a Bible school in seven nations in Africa. So music, or I shouldn't say music, worship, prayer, following the Holy Spirit, learning the Word of God, reaching the world with the love of God. This is my call. This is my passion. And so as I'm sharing these things with you, I hope that in the future you'll consider, as we prepare this Africa Bible School, we are preparing an English online curriculum, and I'm super excited about it. And so if you have, look in your heart, and if there's a little desire there for more, Perhaps you would want to enroll in a school like this where you can fill yourself with the Word of God because when you have the Word of God and the connection with the Holy Spirit of God, you have everything you need, you know, to see your call, be empowered for your call, and not only for your call, to bring others into the kingdom. So, praise God, I'm excited for what's ahead for you. And so, let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the people who are listening. And as I've told this story about worship, my heart is just filled with love and gratitude to you for meeting with me and for touching me and for revealing yourself to me and for showing me things to come and for leading me into a life that was so far greater than my little dreams were. It's been a life of adventure. It's been a life of divine relationships. It's been a life of overflowing times in your presence. And these are foreshadowings of heaven on earth in our day. So Lord, I pray for those who are listening that they would just be encouraged to spend more time with you and be encouraged to explore the depths of who you are through their worship life. I thank you, Lord, for your very presence even now as I'm praying. Thank you for showing my friends the things you have ahead for them. And we give you all the praise and glory. In the precious and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me for this podcast today. I pray that you received something that will build you, 
or move you forward in God's plan for your life. Well, I'm coming near to the end or the close of this first series on my story, and my plan is to follow with stories about others who have turned their dreams into deeds and changed history in their generation, those that we are building upon. But I want to make sure that you're aware of a short video course that I'll be launching soon on following the Holy Spirit. This is eight lessons that I filmed and designed in order to help you learn to know the voice of God and to know and follow how He leads. You can find out more by visiting our website at dunamisworld.org. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S-W-O-R-L-D dot org. You can also find a giving link to partner with us on our work in the nations on our website. God richly bless you, my friends, today, and know that I'm praying for you.